0: How many of you finished the book of Ephesians earlier? You guys all, all did? How long did it take? How, an hour? It took a full hour? Really? How many, how many of you finished it in, in 30 minutes? Okay. Did you guys read it on your own? Read it out loud? Like take turns? Out loud? Okay. Okay. Okay, based on the research that I did, I didn't do this myself, I didn't time myself, but um, based on the research that I did, normally it should take about 20 minutes. 20 minutes to read through the book of Ephesians. And this is, you know, by the way, just simply reading, not thinking. And so I'm sure you guys were thinking, pondering upon the word, you know, writing down questions. And that's probably why it took an hour. But the book of Ephesians is actually a letter. If you look in your Bible, it will actually say the letter of Paul to the Ephesians or something similar to that. It was a letter that was written by Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. Does anyone know where Ephesus is today? Yes, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's a that 's a youth graduate right there <laughs> i don 't take any credit for that, <laughs> but uh, yes, it is modern day Turkey um, so it 's this port city so it's it's this, it was this busy city, uh it was kind of like New York City, right, this melting pot where it a lot of people believe that it was kind of the tunnel um, that connected it was like the city that connected europe and uh, asia so it was this busy busy city so paul he writes a letter according to verse 1 he writes a letter to the saints who are in ephesus and to those who are faithful in christ jesus oh i didn't say what passage i'm speaking on huh so we're in ephesians chapter 1 so we're in the first uh, chapter of ephesians ephesians chapter 1 so paul he writes this letter um I don't have time to explain all the different backgrounds. Uh, Jesse kind of gave me a heads up and wanted me to explain a little bit of that. But there's really not much to talk about uh, when it comes to the letter of Ephesians. We know that it was written by Paul, especially when and he was in Roman imprisonment uh, around AD 61 to 63. We believe that um, it was sent out with a couple other letters, like the letter of Colossians, uh, Philemon. Um, so it was sent by um sent by Paul at once at a time and so these different cities um, uh, the Colossae and Ephesus those are all kind of close by and Philemon is obviously a uh, a person who lived in Colossae Um, so we have um, this background and um, church of Ephesus uh, although uh, we don't know a whole lot about it we know that Paul did not plant this church but it was the church that was really dear to Paul's heart because it was a place where he spent most of his time during his uh, during his mission trips. He spent th- three full years in this city, uh, trying to encourage the Christians over there, you know, discipling them. So three full years. That's that's quite a long time you know a couple of you guys if you grew up in youth ministry sometimes your youth pastor changes every other year or something i mean you guys were blessed right to have like consistent um good pastors but that, that's what happens a lot of times pastors they change but paul he, he stood he stayed there for three full years so he spent a long time there so he knows a lot of people so this church is dear to his heart but it, it is interesting uh, number one because it's really short the letter is fairly short. It takes only about 20 minutes if you read it for word for word. But the reason why you guys probably you know, took a lot of time is because you can't just zap through this letter. It is so dense, right? It has so much content. It is so rich, right? If you, it's it's like you know, it's like a thick bowl of chili. Right. it's not like that. That chili that's in in a can, the instant can, but it's like this thick bowl of chili where you just boil it for hours and hours and it gets so thick, right? That you one you put like mouthful of chili, uh, uh and you uh, a spoon of chili in your mouth and it's like you can't chew it. It takes such a long time to just swallow it, right? And but the stuff in the can, you can just like drink it. Seriously, it's it, there's no like richness to it. There's no thickness to it. You can just basically drink it, but. This is that type of book, you can't just kind of drink it, this is like that thick chili that your mom would make for you with love. So there's a lot of love in this letter, it's short but it's dense, it's rich. And here's the interesting part, Uh, we don't get a lot of Paul in this letter, it's a very general letter. In fact, out of all the letters that Paul wrote, it is the least personal letter, letter, meaning uh, it's very general. It it was written to a general audience. Uh, We don't have a special occasion of writing. We don't know if Paul is trying to address specific false teachings or specific problems in the church like um, he did in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Paul's not sharing his personal testimony. You guys probably noticed this when you're reading this letter. He's not sharing his travel plans like he does in, in the letter of uh, Romans. He's not revealing any personal feelings that he has for the people like he does in um, uh, the letter of uh, Philippians. We, don't, we get none of that. It's like Paul is almost not there. He's like writing this letter to a general audience. Such an impersonal letter. Why? Why would, he, why would he write such a letter without any flavor, I guess, without a personal touch? Well, I think it's because he simply wants to make a point that the things that he shares is not just for special people, it's not just for a special occasion, but it's for ordinary people. It's for ordinary people living ordinary lives. And that's kind of where I think we get the theme, that the book of Ephesians is written to a general audience. So we can relate to it, right? Like the book of uh, the letter of uh, Philippians, that was written to an audience that was suffering. So you know, if you're not suffering in your current state, it's really hard to relate to them. If you're not having issues within the church, it's really hard to relate to First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. But when it comes to the letter of Ephesians, everyone can relate to this letter. Why? Because it is, it is so general and it's so foundational. It talks about one simple truth. It Talks about the gospel. Of Jesus Christ and how we desperately need it in our ordinary life. The book of Ephesians is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we desperately need it in order in our ordinary lives. In the city of Ephesus, there were people who were rich, there were people who were poor, there were people who were educated, there were people who were not that educated. There were Gentiles, there were Jews. It was really really a melting pot. A melting pot. Everyone was there. All these different Christians from different backgrounds and different social status, different uh, economical status, right? And Paul brings the simple truth that the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he shares it with a general audience. Now, why is this important? Because a lot of times when we think about the gospel and the gospel being relevant, we think about mission trips, maybe retreats, maybe like life crisis, right? When we have all these big events in our lives and we desperately need the gospel, but When it comes to our ordinary life, our everyday life, it is really hard to find these connections, right? We understand the content of the gospel. We understand that the gospel is about Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, that he was buried on our behalf, and he rose again so that we might have life. We can articulate it. We can share it. We can even write about it. We can talk about it. We can discuss about it. We know the gospel in our heads. The problem is when we hit the library, right, during finals time, or when we are hanging out with our friends, drinking coffee or drinking something else, when we are uh, taking jobs simply to pay off our debt or to pay for our next tuition, the gospel all of a sudden becomes irrelevant. It seems like our church life is so different from our ordinary life. And Paul is making an argument in this letter today that it's not that different, that the gospel is meant to touch every area of our life and this is why this letter is so important now Jesus is relevant in our lives the gospel is relevant it does matter so how does believing an event that took place 2000 and uh, took place 2,000 years ago how does it change transform and enrich our personal life how does it uh, impact our everyday life now I believe the secret of of all this is embedded in today's text so um, if you're following along I'm gonna read from verse 3 and I think if you understand today's text um, you really see um, you will see the key uh, to the everyday Christian life okay so starting from verse 3 it says this blessed be the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places verse 4 even as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praises of his glorious grace which uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption and through his blood the forgiveness of trespasses according things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be uh, to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise Holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it the praise of his glory so what is that all about <laughs> if you look in the Greek this is actually one big sentence um, this is a trivia question Any, if anyone asks you what's the longest sentence um, in the Bible this is it this is one long sentence in one breath Paul writes this beautiful, this glorious sentence, this gigantic sentence that is written with 202 words in the Greek. No, the longest sentence in the Bible. Why? Why doesn't he take a break? Why doesn't he break this down? I think it's because he's trying to communicate one simple truth through the sentence. No, every phrase here is, is, is mind-blowing. It's eye-catching. It's life-altering truth. But all these different things it really builds up to one simple truth you know um this pastor named martin lloyd jones he preached on this specific passage for 26 weeks that's half a year right um so i have about 26 minutes to unpack this (laughs) for you guys so please stay stay with me but it really boils down to this the main idea is this god blesses us with every spiritual blessing in christ god blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And I get that from verse 1. Blessed, meaning praise be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So everything that is positive about life, everything that is good, everything that is praiseworthy, everything that we can ever imagine being good comes from God. Now, all that, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, God pours out in Christ. Notice that Paul is saying every spiritual blessing, not just some spiritual blessing, but every spiritual blessing. But it's also interesting that he's saying spiritual blessing, right? Why not material blessing? Why not physical blessing? I mean, that's what we really want, isn't it? You no, know, we want Uh, Money, we want uh, fame, we want success, we want good grades We want to get into the program that we um, desperately want so that we can succeed in life We want health, we want all these different things We want maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend, future spouse All these different things are physical, um, material We can see them with our very own eyes And that's why when we see the word spiritual blessing, we don't get that excited It's like, what is that? No, maybe it's like speaking in tongues, I don't know. It's like all these different stuff, these, this mysterious stuff that the Holy Spirit does. Well, I don't think Paul is talking about that. I think what he's talking about is he's talking about things that don't fade away. Because the things that are physical, the things that are material, they're great. I mean, they're good. Uh, they're very benefic- beneficial in life. But once you die, there's not a single thing that you're going to take to your next life every spiritual blessing meaning paul is talking about a blessing that does not fade away a blessing that does not get destroyed over time a blessing that you will possess forever that is the type of blessing not just some spiritual blessing but every spiritual blessing god blesses us with all these different things blessings that are eternal how in christ That is the key phrase in this passage, in Christ. That phrase is used 10 times in this passage alone. God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Christ is the means. He is the key that unlocks all these spiritual blessings. And I can categorize these spiritual blessings in three different categories. The first category is this God chooses us in Christ. God chooses us in Christ. So look at verse four. It says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So notice that phrase in him it's talking about in Christ so before there was a Sun before there was a moon before there were stars in the sky before there were birds and in uh, in the sky and and fish in the sea before any uh, living being was on this planet before God even said let there be light it says before the foundation of the world God chose us in Christ God's plan of salvation did not start from the garden It did not start um, on the cross God's plan of salvation it started before the foundation of the world isn't that crazy before we even even exist God was thinking about us and he's thinking how how he would choose us out of his sovereignty that he would choose us for salvation and for this beautiful relationship in Christ and I gotta be honest with you for the longest time, this bothered me, this idea. And whenever I see the word chosen, whenever I see the word predestination, right, how God does all these stuff, even before I, was, I ever existed, I mean, that's a great thought. But if you think about it, that means before I did a single thing, before I had a single thought, before I was, I was even a single organism, I guess, you know, before I was in my mother's womb, somehow it sounds like God determined my life. And that bothers me, because if he determined my life, that means for those who don't go to heaven, that means their life is determined as well. You know, I had this biggest argument with my brother when I was a teenager. You know, he was he 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 went to church. He was a praise leader, and he was mo- a lot more mature back in the day. So I asked him a question. You no, know, you no, know, how do you think God saves us? You know, that's a, that was an honest question. I I really wanted to figure out. You know, how does it work? How does salvation work? Am I Brother came up with this brilliant illustration. He said, well, it's like going into, gift sho- into a gift shop and there's a lot of teddy bears and you just pick a couple of teddy bears. That's how God saves you. That is grace. No, none of the te- teddy bears deserve to be picked, but God just picks them. All the petty teddy bears are the same. They look the same. They're about the same, but he just ends up picking some and leave some behind. I was like, "What is that, right?" For in my brother's mind, he's like, "No, everyone is sinner is a sinner. Everyone is sinful, right? No one deserves to be get picked or chosen by God." Uh, so he's like, "Well, the God, the people who are chosen, we just just celebrate and be thankful for that. You know, don't worry about the teddy bears that are in the store. As <laughs> long you know that you're a teddy bear that is chosen by God, you you'll be okay." And for the longest time, it bothered me. And until I went to seminary, I was still struggling with this issue. My first year in seminary, after, after um, uh, one hangout that I had with my buddies, uh, somehow the conversation went into you know, this whole debate between um, God's sovereignty and free will. And we spoke till like 4 a.m. No, we had about, you know, we had six people there. Two people were arguing that, no, it's about God's sovereignty. Two people were arguing that, no, it's about free will. And then two people were like, I I have no idea. Can we just go home? (laughs) Right? It's like the biggest mystery, the biggest point of debate. I mean, it's great that God had this plan before the foundation of the world, but what does this mean? And, And I think, you know, sometimes... We just have to simply look at the text in a very plain and simple way. You know, let's lay down everything that we know, all the presuppositions that we have about God and about his word. And let's simply see what the text says. Clearly, it says that God chosen people. You no, know, the saints in Ephesus, the ones who are faithful in Jesus Christ, he says, I have chosen you. He chose us. Here's the key phrase, in Him. So God, He doesn't choose people randomly, like you know a computer would assign people zero and one. No, He's not just you know taking out lots, trying to figure out you know who He's going to save and who He's not going to sa- He's not going to save. Um, there's a clear qualification for God's election, and that is Christ. If you are in Christ, you can be confident that you are part of the elect, that you are chosen by God. I did not choose God. God chose me. But I also made a decision to follow in Christ. Therefore, when I am in Christ, I get to I get to enjoy the benefits of God's election. No, that sounds kind of you know you know, it kind of makes sense but at the same time you know kind of and that's a lot to think about um, so how exactly does election work how exactly does one uh, get into heaven how exactly is one saved let me ask you that question how exactly is one saved does anyone want to answer that question how exactly yes yeah it's 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 through jesus christ now has anyone here, one day, all of a sudden, had this special revelation? No one talked to you. You never read the Bible. Nothing happened to you. But all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I think i got to believe in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and then you, all of a sudden, you're, you're walking in faith. Your faith is growing, maturing. You're, ex- you're understanding every little thing about the Bible. Did that happen to you? No. Most of you, if not all of you, someone shared the gospel with you. Someone invited you to respond to God's amazing grace. Did God choose us first? Absolutely. But in response, do we choose God? Absolutely. This might bother you, but it doesn't bother me. You know why? Now let me ask you another question. Is Jesus God or is he man? Who says he's God? Okay, who says he's man? Okay, now logically, how does that work? No, do you know that for the longest time in church history, especially the early church, um, church fathers, they debated over this topic. It's like they fought on this single topic. It's like, Jesus can't be fully God and he can't be fully man. No, it has to be one or the other. Either it's 50, 50, 70, 30, something like that. And then you know what they came to, you No, know, they said, it doesn't make sense, but okay, it's okay if it, it doesn't make sense logically as long as it makes sense biblically. And what they saw in the Bible was that Jesus, when he came to the earth, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. Let me ask you another question. When you pray, God works, right? But does God work because of your prayers? Have you, have you thought about that? Let, let me ask you another question. On the cross... The cross, was that a display of God's justice or was that a display of God's love? Right? Was God a- exercising justice where he's punishing the sins of the world? Or was he expressing love where in a way that he was saving humanity through his son, Jesus Christ? What is it? I mean, can he be fully loved and fully just? You know, most of the biblical truth, the foundational biblical truth is that we find in the Bible are paradox, meaning they don't make any sense logically, but they make perfect sense biblically, and what I decided to do is that, no, I'm not going to sacrifice one for the other. I'm going to accept both. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man, yet God works on his own, but also he works through our prayers. Yeah, on the cross, God displayed his perfect love and also his perfect justice. When it comes to God's sovereignty and free will, absolutely, God is in control, that he is sovereign. Everything that that occurred in this universe, it, it happens according to his will. But at the same time, do people need to respond? Do they have a responsibility to respond? Absolutely. I did not choose God, but God chose me. But at the same time, I made a decision to follow Christ. And when you are in Christ, all these benefits, this, this idea of election, this idea of being chosen, you all of a sudden, when you're in Christ, you become not an enemy or, or an alien, um, but you are uh, the people of God. You become chosen, the chosen race. You become one of God's inner circle. Doesn't make any logical sense, but it makes perfect sense biblical sense but also notice in verse 4 that this is not just talking about individual election but he says God chose us in Christ so that we would be holy and blameless before God so many people wrestle with this idea did God choose me for salvation right but we don't wrestle with this idea that God choose me to be holy and blameless. <laughs> right? the, 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 we, the, we don't take that seriously. We are all about, you know, God justifying us and that we'll go to heaven. But we are never worried the fact that God predestined us before the, the foundation of the earth so that we can be holy and blameless. You know, God chose us to be set apart. We don't have the ability on our own. On our own, we are actually unholy and we are to blame. No, we have all the reason to be blamed. But God in Christ, out of His grace and His mercy, He set us apart before the foundation of the world. And this amazing privilege you and I have, we have in Jesus Christ. And this is just the beginning. It says, in love, verse 5, He predestined, meaning He planned and He executed in a perfect way, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will, so how do you become uh, a family member of God? It's not through any, um, you know, race or ethnicity, but according to the Word of God, it is through Jesus Christ, and this is His perfect will. Now, according to the plan that God has set before time, and the plan that He has carried out, we are adopted as sons in christ and no offense to daughters right Uh, at this point why does it use the word son because the son normally in the jewish culture is the one who inherits all the blessings of the father Uh, i mean the daughter does get some but the son is especially the firstborn son is the one who gets all the blessings from the father this means that your calling the fact that you are a son or a child of god it's not an accident It's not a coincidence. It's a privilege that God has planned before time. So God pours out this blessing before time in the past. And he also redeems us in Christ. So God chooses us in Christ. And number two, God redeems us in christ look at verse 7 it says "In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth again in what in christ so in christ we have redemption meaning we are redeemed we are no longer slaves but we are free that we can follow jesus in know, free way, we have forgiveness that we are not condemned anymore, but we are free from God's judgment. When you and I believe in Jesus Christ, we experience this rich grace, that we experience the forgiving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You no, know, Jesus takes our sin, he nails it to the cross, he buries it in the tomb, and we rise with him so that we can have newness in life. God redeems us in Christ but it gets even better he says god promises future inheritance number 3 god promises future inheritance so he blesses us with this amazing election and and predestination in the past he redeems us in our present and he promises this future inheritance It says in verse 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we have this great inheritance, this great wealth that one day we will receive in the future. Now, how many of you have an inheritance ready for you? None of you? (laughs) Well, I do. (laughs) Well, I do. I mean, I don't have that much on this earth, but... uh, man, my heavenly father is super rich, right? And he has some bling bling up in heaven, right? And that gives me confidence. That gives me hope. No matter how bad I live my current life, I can bank on God. You know, as long as I am in Christ, God promises that there will be this future inheritance and that gives me hope for my future. You don't have to blame your parents. If you are in Christ, you have this rich inheritance that is promised. And you might say, well, I don't see that rich inheritance right now. No, I'm broke. I'm busy paying off my credit card debt, right? I don't have money to even hang out with my friends. No, I don't know how I'm going to even pay for my next tuition. No, how how am I supposed to believe that I have this future inheritance? How? No, God knew that you were going to wonder that. So he says in verse 13, in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him you were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory so he, here's what paul is talking about now uh, one of our youth students he went up to my wife uh, she went up to my wife and she saw uh, she she was talking to my wife and then she saw uh, my wife 's hand, and she saw a ring on her hand, and she made this amazing comment she 's like, "Now I know why you married Pastor James you no know, obviously <laughs> no, obviously to her, it was a very impressive ring i mean it 's not that impressive to be honest uh, uh but for a youth kid, it was like that 's why you, <laughs> you me <married." laughs> i know it 's kind of messed up, right uh but you know. I don't know. No, some of you guys are dating. Some of you guys are secretly dating. Some of you guys want to date in the future, <laughs> um, and hopefully one day um, you would want to get married. But there is a process when you want to get married. There is a step that you need to take. You don't just, you know, you book book uh, a church or book, I guess, you know, a reception place, and you don't just plan for your wedding. There's something that you have to do before that. What is it? You have to propose. But if you're a guy, you got to do it right, right? Uh, now, I can share my story later on. It will give you hope because everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. But there's one thing I did right. There's one thing I did right. I got her a ring. And you'll know this in the future. You need to know the four Cs. Uh, there's four things that you need to know when you pick a a, a ring, Right? The carrot, the weight, right? It's how big the rock is. You need to look at the cut, even the way that is cut. It matters, right? Yeah, write those notes down. <laughs> the color, you have to. It has to be bright, right? This transparent color and clarity is so important. And if you just go up a little bit in each category, man, the the price just skyrockets. Um, so I wasn't sure how much I was supposed to spend on this ring. Some people said, well, you could spend about your month wage, maybe three months' wage, at least three months' wage. I think that's kind of the standard rule. And I didn't spend three months on my wage. Actually, I did spend more of my more than three months on my wage because I was hardly getting paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was hardly getting paid. So, yeah, that's more than my three months' wage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I invest a lot of money. It's actually the most expensive thing that I bought uh, apart from my car. Um, but, and, and my wife, she enjoyed that ring. Um, it, it's, it was an amazing gift, right? She probably never received a gift like that. But the reason why women get very emotional, they get touched, uh, they cry sometimes when they receive a ring, it's not because the ring is simply bling bling. It's not because, you know, the ring is expensive and it has a lot of value. It's because that ring points to a future reality. That ring points to seals um a future reality that is coming soon. The Holy Spirit is like the ring that God gives to us. You know, a lot of us it's hard for us to see what's coming. And, and even when I was engaged, I had no idea what was coming. I just knew, kind of had an idea that it was going to be good. But every time I saw, you know, I, my wife saw the ring, at least she knew that, you no, know, one day this is going to happen. That one day that she won't just receive a ring, but she would receive all of me. Holy Spirit is that ring. When we are in Christ, not only does God promise us this future inheritance, but He seals that promise by giving us the gift of the Holy spirit the fact that the holy spirit dwells in you and according to Romans 8 if you are in Christ the spirit dwells in you if you are not in Christ the spirit does not dwell in you there is no other option there's no way that you can be in Christ and not have the spirit there's no no way that you can have the spirit and not have Christ in other words if you are in Christ you have the spirit and if you have the spirit that spirit seals you that you can have hope for your future that you can live with confidence That you have this amazing thing that is coming in the future so God blesses us in every way with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ in Christ he chooses us in Christ he redeems us in Christ he seals this future inheritance did you notice that God the Father chooses us God the Son redeems us the Holy Spirit seals on this tremendous blessing that's coming in the future this blessing is not just any blessing it's a Trinitarian blessing that's a very fancy word. Um, it's a, a blessing that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is working together just for you. And what did you do to deserve all this? What did I do to deserve all this? The answer is nothing. We didn't do anything. Now, how many of you flew uh, Korean Airline before? A couple of you. Okay, in Korean Airlines, there's this thing called SkyPass. And then there's this thing called Elite skypass right now skypass is just this card that you know you can you can have mile you can you can have points and mileages Uh, you know they have a little bit benefits but when you are at that elite level you need a certain amount of mileages uh, in, in, in your record but when you're at that level what happens is now you can you have more benefits you have free tickets you don't have to wait in line when you go to the airport you go to priority right you get boarded first um, and you can even go into a very nice business lounge before every airplane, In every flight. Now, how do I know that? It's not because I have um, elite membership. Well, my mom does. Uh, she she was an NGO worker, so she traveled a lot uh, all over the country and, 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 and all over um, the world, so she had a lot of mileages, so she went up to this elite status and she has all these different benefits right and what I simply did was I used it <laughs> right whenever I was I need to go to Korea no this was when I was in college my family was in Korea I was like mom can I just book a flight with your mileage and she's like yeah sure you no know, whenever you know I go to the airport I'm like mom can I just use you know, your 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 elite status so I can enjoy uh, some coke and some ramen noodles in this lounge i mean that's fancy stuff that you get to eat ramen noodles before a, a flight and she's like yeah sure Now i didn't have to wait i get an extra luggage right i can just send an extra luggage if i wanted to i have all these privileges for one simple reason because all the work that my mom put in <laughs> that's exactly how it works with us we did nothing Deserve all these privileges. These privileges are amazing, they're eye opening, they're life transforming, and we can enjoy everything although we don't deserve anything simply if we are in Christ. The only reason why I can use all those points and those privileges is because I am under the umbrella of my mom. That's the only reason. Now I can't use it anymore. I'm kicked out of the family. <laughs> now I don't have those privileges anymore. But when I was in under my mom, under her roof, um, in her jurisdiction, I had all these privileges and benefits. The good thing about our Lord Jesus Christ, He, he doesn't kick us out. Right? These privileges are made available to us. And we don't deserve it. That's ca- why it's called grace. This grace is given to us in the midst of our ordinary Life. these things we don't see sometimes these things we don't feel sometimes both, but these things are super real these things are the things that will not fade away over time and knowing this understanding the privileges that we have in Christ so how can we respond how does this change the way that we live our lives first I think it changes our hearts it fills our hearts with praise The first thing that these things do, you know, if you understand that you have all these blessings in Christ, your heart will be filled with praise. And where do I get that? I get it from the text. In verse 3, it says, blessed be the God, meaning praise be the God. In verse 6, it says, to the praise of the glorious grace. In verse 12, it says, to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, it says, to the praise of his glory. God does not give all these things just to spoil you. He gives these things so that you can respond and praise. He gives these things so that you can understand how great it is. You know, I, every time I used my mom's mileages and, and her privileges, I was like, thank you, mom. You know, I was praising her. I was thankful. You know, it changed my life. If you are aware of all these blessings that you have in Christ, every single day, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whether you are tired, whether you're, you are high in energy, you know, whether you are a free person or you are in prison like Paul is right now, you can praise god you can sing songs of praise your praise does not depend on your condition or your circumstance but it depends on the blessings that you receive in christ in philippians 4 4 it says rejoice in the lord always again i said rejoice and for the longest time i was like how do you do that you no know, because there's a lot of times in our lives that it is hard to rejoice you know some people say you know you got to take praise seriously uh, because no, that's what you're gonna do when you go to heaven. You know, if you don't enjoy worship right now, you're not gonna enjoy heaven later on. You no, know, I mean it's hard not to enjoy worship when you have an amazing praise team uh, like today. But you know, some people they get really grumpy and they're like, you know, I don't enjoy worship. And you know, the advice that people give is like, well, you don't, if you you better enjoy it right now, get used to it right now. But you're gonna do that forever. You know, forever and ever. You know, you're not gonna stop. You're gonna sing. Your hands are always gonna be up there, right? But it's not just about the future and what's happening, going to happen in heaven. You need this praise. You need to rejoice for the present. Because without this praise, it is really hard to live life. Our current life is so dark. It's so messed up. It's so broken. I mean, if you don't find a reason to praise God in the blessings of Christ, I have no idea where you're going to find it. I don't know how you're going to come out of that slump. I don't know how you're going to come out of that depression. I have no idea how you're going to go, come out of that, you know, get that kind of, kind of pit that you're in. But what this does, understanding that all blessings come from Christ, it gives us a reason to praise God. All glory to Him. Here's the second way we can respond. When we understand that all blessings are made available to us in Christ, it gives us direction. And how many of you can use some direction right now? Right, some of you you have no idea whether or not you're in the right major. Some of you have switched majors about three times by now. You know, some of you, if you're like me, you're you're gonna, you're not going to use your major at all when you work. Right, I was a biochemistry major. I'm I mean, you know, I'm a pastor right now. I've, i mean sometimes I use like biochemistry references in my sermon, but that, that's about it. The kids don't really get excited when I talk about cells in sermon. Uh, so, you know, apart from that, it's like, yeah. Uh, but if you understand that all of these blessings are made available to you in, in Christ, it gives you direction. It helps you understand where you are in, in the overall scheme of, of salvation. God's plan for salvation, it started before time. Right? It started from eternity past and is heading to eternity future. You know, according to today's passage, it started before the foundations of the earth and it's going to end in this glorious way in the future. And if you don't know where you come from, and if you have no idea where you are going, there's no way you're going to know what you're, gonna, you, you're supposed to do right now. But if you do know where you're coming from, if you have an idea where you're heading towards, then you know exactly what you can do in the present time. Now, God's plan of salvation, it will ultimately prevail, meaning you don't have to hold on to some of the things of this world so tightly, you know, you don't have to let that eat you up from inside, but instead you can invest your time, your money, your resources for the kingdom of God that is coming, that you can do that with confidence, you know, it, this blessing that we have in Christ, it gives us direction. And lastly, this blessing that we have in Christ, it changes the way that we view ourselves and also we view our life and it changes the way that we view God. So just think about this. Um, there are seven different things about us uh, when we are in Christ. In verse 3, and this this would be good to write, you know, it would be good if you write this down. In verse 3, you are blessed, Right? You are blessed. God blessed you. Verse four, you are chosen. If you are in Christ, you are chosen. Verse five. If you are in Christ, you are loved. In verse five again, if you are in Christ, you are adopted. In verse seven, you are redeemed. In verse eleven, you are heirs. And verse thirteen, you are sealed. So you are blessed, you are chosen, you are loved, you are adopted. you are redeemed, you are heirs and you you are sealed. Now, what does that mean? Understanding who you are changes the way that you view God because the fact that you are blessed means that God is good to you, that he's not against you, but he is good to you. The fact that you are chosen in Christ means that God wants you, that he seeks after you. The fact that you are loved in Christ means that God cares about you. The fact that you are adopted in Christ means that God is near to you and that you have a place to stay. The fact that you are redeemed in Christ means that God has forgiven you. The fact that you are heirs means that good things are coming your way because God has instored it for you. And the fact that you are sealed in Christ means that God will never leave you nor forsake you. God is a good God that He wants you, He cares for you, that He is near to you, that He forgives you, that He has good things in store for you and you can bank on Him because He will never, nor fors- never leave you nor forsake you. These promises... They become real in Christ. It's not when you have all these blessings in your life and you get all of a sudden get rich and you hit that good grade or you are hanging out with the right people or, or all these other stuff in life. It's when you really understand your position in Christ and how God blesses you in Christ, you get to see how awesome God is to you. And what did you do to deserve this? Nothing. Nothing. And why is this important? Because the next time that someone tells you that, that you're not important, the next time that someone says, man, you know, you're, you're not good, the next time someone says, well, you know, that, that no one cares about you, you can say, zip it. My identity is not defined by what other things, other say about me. It's not about what I say about myself. It's not about, about what the devil says about me. about what God says about me and what he says he says I love you I want to be good to you I want you I care about you I am near to you I forgive you I have good things in store for you and I will never leave you nor forsake you are these the privileges that you are exploring in Christ as a Christian God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God chose us. He redeems us. He gives us this tremendous blessing in the future. And this leads us to give him praise in our current life. It gives us direction, understanding that things of this world, we don't have to hold on tightly, but we can invest in the kingdom of God. It changes our view about ourselves, about our lives, and especially about God. That we don't have to... We don't have to let other people bring us down with their words, but we can counter those words with the words of truth because God shared this promise, everything in Christ. When he sacrificed his one and only son for you, he wasn't just doing a good thing for you. He dramatically changed your life. And there's one question that remains now how can I be in Christ, right? Because those who are in, they receive this tremendous blessing. Those who are out, they experience the wrath of God. And I think that's where the rest of chapter one and the beginning of chapter two comes in place. So I'm just gonna read this really quickly. It says in verse 15, now Paul, he begins to pray this prayer and he begins to pray for all the saints And he says this in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great mind that he worked in Christ. Now Paul prays this prayer and do you notice that his prayer is simply this? I pray that your eyes will be enlightened, that your understanding will be expanded, that you will see this tremendous blessing in Christ. What he's saying is you don't have to wrestle with other things in life. What you really have to wrestle right now is whether or not you want to really follow Christ with all that you have, whether or not you really want to trust Christ with all that you have, whether or not you really, really Christ is worth everything is it worth giving up everything and absolutely it says in chapter 2 verse 1 and you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you were once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What Paul is basically saying is, you guys by nature were sinful. You guys by nature were enemies of God. You guys by nature did not deserve anything from God. But in verse four, but, that's a tremendous but, but, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so how do you go in Christ how do you how do you go in it's not simply by asking Jesus into your heart. Um, it's not simply about being into Jesus, meaning that you're all this fanatic about Jesus, that you're a great fan. The way that you all get in, you you actually enter into this relationship with Christ, the reason the way that you can be in Christ is simple: it's by faith. It's by grace through faith. You understand that you did nothing to deserve it, but you desperately need it. Therefore, by faith, you ask God's favor. By faith, you say, Jesus, I lay down everything in front of your feet. I'm not wasting my life. I'm not wasting my energy. I'm not wasting everything that I have. But I'm investing it because I know that all the treasures of God, the blessings of God is found in you. So take your relationship with Jesus seriously. No, are you confident that you are in Christ today? Are you confident that you have all these blessings in Christ? Have there been a moment where you trust in the Lord and you committed to Him? You no, know, is your heart filled with praise? Is your heart filled with joy? Is your life you no? Know, does it have some sense of direction? Is your life filled with these blessings where to the point where you are not shaken by the things of this world, but you are speaking truth to people? Are you not wasting your blessings, but instead you're using your blessings for other people? Let the blessings of Christ empower you so that you can be the person that God designed you and saved you to be. Let's pray. So as we reflect on the message, I just want you to think about your relationship with Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a thought? Is he just this idea? Is he he just this figure that you knew since you were a young kid? Or Or is he the source of all spiritual blessing that you experience in life? Does your life sometimes feel dry? That you feel lost? That you don't feel loved? That you worry about your future? That you worry about the littlest things? What the Bible is telling us today is that it's not just about toughening up. It's not just about being a stronger man or a stronger woman. But everything that we can ever hope for that the power and the source in which we can obtain so that we that 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 we can live out this gospel life it really comes from christ everything comes from christ god has given us the source of all blessings not just so that we can be spoiled and live how we want to live but so that Number one, that we can give praises to Him. And number two, that we can live the life that He wants us to live. And number three, so that other people can experience this blessing as well. Maybe for you, there was never a moment where you committed your life to Jesus Christ that you never responded in faith. Maybe tonight is the night that you don't have to have this supernatural kind of experience or all of a sudden that you don't have to be overwhelmed with emotions. When you simply ponder upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's going to move your heart. And God, out of his grace and his mercy, he displayed all these things. He made these things available for us. And some of you, you guys are wasting God's blessing. Everything that God has made available to you, it's time that you take ownership of those blessings and use it for His kingdom. Some of you are worried about the future and worried about whether or not, you know, that, that, that you can walk this Christian walk. Then ask the Holy Spirit to dwell richly in your heart, to give you confidence, to remind you of the seal, the ring that He places on your heart. Let's just take, see, take some time to respond, um, and, and then then we'll sing a couple songs. Let's pray. Father God, these blessings are surreal. They're really just too good to be true. So, Lord, give us faith. Help us not to ponder upon physical things or the material blessings, Lord. Help us to invest in the things that last, to treasure every spiritual blessing that is made available to us in Jesus Christ. Jesus, Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we do repent because so many times we replace the truth with a lie. Lord, we see everything that is made available to us. So help us to live as people and saved by the gospel. Help us to live with purpose, with direction, with praise in our hearts with an identity that is unmovable and unshakable. It says this in Ephesians chapter 3, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the heights and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God